This is our new passion, Meg. We're gonna quit our jobs and we're gonna become professional podcasters. Hey, this is Drew here with one of our most popular guests, definitely our most frequent guest, Jamie. (laughs) Hello. <laughs> Hi, and a uh, first-time guest, the Magnificent Meg. Here I am. <laughs> Woo! All right. Um, since this is such an important holiday episode, Ashley and Derek decided not to be on it. Um, but you're in luck because we have two of the biggest, baddest ladies in the history of podcast on this week's episode. You're listening to New Release, a movie podcast with a time-traveling twist. Episode 143 overall, episode number four, the fourth and final episode in our Killer Christmas miniseries. Are you all excited to be wrapping up Killer Christmas? Thrilled. Yeah. What? How would you explain the Killer Christmas miniseries and all the episodes you've listened to so far? Electric. <laughs> oh. Scintillating? Mm-hmm. Killer? Yeah. Christmassy? Yep. All those words. Yeah. It's um the easiest way I explain it is it's um Christmas movies with killers. Oh. Yeah. It's right it just there. clicked, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is normally when I would ask Ashley when the heck we are this week because we time travel. But I think the movie we're watching came out in the summer of 1988, but all you really need to know for this podcast is that we are it, on Christmas. It is, it is, in fact, Christmas Day. We can confirm that, right? Merry Christmas. Yeah. Happy holidays. So Meg is holding up a dated uh, Sunday edition of the, the paper for proof. You can uh, hear the papers <laughs> crinkling. Crinkle, crinkle. <laughs> yeah, it's not a hostage situation. It's just so we can prove that we are dedicated to the audience by recording on a holiday. Unlike Ashley and Derek. Can't state that enough. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's Christmas and we've been watching Christmas movies all month. And, of course, we wanted to wrap things up with the most Christmassy Christmas tale of all time. Undoubtedly, we are not going to have the debate, is it a Christmas movie? We did that for the sequel to this about a year ago. And so we're just going to be talking about one of our favorite movies, one of our favorite Christmas movies, which is, who wants to do the honors of (laughs) introducing what is already spelled out in the title of the episode? It's Die Hard. Wow. (laughs) That's exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we just watched Die Hard. We are thrilled to be able to talk about it. I wanted to start by asking Jamie um, when this tradition started. Uh, When I first moved to Portland, I moved in with Megan Wesley, her brother, and we would always talk about Die Hard in the way that Wesley was always very surprised that I had never seen it every Uh single time we talked about it, which was semi-regularly. He would act very surprised, just completely mind blown uh about the fact that i'd never seen it so finally one year the hollywood theater was playing it and we went to go see it and ever since then we've watched it every christmas eve i think yeah and it's it's a christmas eve movie 
Correct. I mean, it's takes place pretty much in like real time ish, uh, starting with like Bruce Willis landing um, in Los Angeles, coming from somewhere on the East Coast, going uh, by limousine straight to what's the name of the building? Nakatomi Plaza, baby. Yeah. <laughs> 30-plus floors of high-tech, um, high-security, high-decor. Um, yeah, <laughs> Just a, a beautiful piece of uh, engineering and architecture. But really, only one of the floors or a couple of the floors are actually finished. So this movie is set on the 30th floor, right? Yep, it's well, the only floor with people on it. Yeah. People that are celebrating their Christmas with their coworkers by having a party on the Christmas Eve, which Insane. I don't think is a thing. No. If it is, it's very rude and companies should not do that. So this is my corporate America. Look out. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. It's fun having a tradition of watching it every year. The most important question, obviously, is how dare you not have seen it? And Wesley, it sounds like Wesley was right to yeah. be so appalled. He usually is. Because <laughs> now you love it and you were deprived of it for the first, you know, 20 plus years of your life. Frankly, I blame my parents, you know? Sure. The root of all of my troubles. Yeah. Um, well, your dad did just call and um, disrupt the podcast. So <laughs> yeah. maybe yeah. you could get him back on the line and ask him why he didn't show it to you sooner. I bet you anything he would say, I had seen it, that we watched right. it when I was a kid. Because he says that about everything you yeah. bring up. And I'm like, this is simply not true. <laughs> well, Meg, when did you and Wesley grow up watching it? No, I, I really don't know how we started on it either. Uh, you know, that's a great question. <laughs> it's going to be a Christmas conversation to have with him. Should we get Wesley on yeah, the maybe line? He can, maybe go. he can call too. Uh, yeah, well, for me, I had Gremlins. That's my yearly tradition um, for Christmas movies. Beautiful Girls, of course, for Thanksgiving movies. It's not even a Thanksgiving set, movie set is like, the thing it's about set this. in February, I think, <laughs> or January. Um, but yeah, that movie rings in the holiday for me, and then this one brings in uh, Christmas Eve. We watched Gremlins this week, too, which was lovely. It's demoted, apparently, to Christmas Eve Eve. <laughs> but maybe next oh, year. Oh, for watching purposes. Yeah, yeah. Die Hard obviously has to be Christmas Eve. If we were watching a movie tonight, it would be Gremlins again already. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, let's talk about the movie. That's probably what we should do. It is a terrorist plot action movie we've mostly so far for killer christmas as jamie so expertly described been watching horror themed movies with like psycho killers this one is definitely a different genre although we did discuss violent night which is heavily inspired by die hard a group of bad people shows up at a location trying to break into a very difficult to crack safe because there is some form of of transferable currency. We don't know whether they're bear bonds, bearer <laughs> bonds, um, valley bonds. It's no one actually can say. Correct? <laughs> Absolutely <bear> true. Grizzly <laughs> <laughs> bear bonds. Yeah, yeah. Who's to say? How much money is at stake here? 
So set the stakes. Seven hundred million somewhere in there. Six hundred and thirty. Okay. Well, okay. If, pretty, well, I mean, yeah, in the, in the ballpark because he's like Hans is like if it was six hundred dollars. Is that his accent? Not even. <laughs> Nine. How much, no. <laughs> how much accent work should we be doing? Uh, for you, zero. Yeah. Uh, why don't you describe the band of merry characters that Hans has employed uh, they here? They have beautiful flowing locks. They're wearing tight sweatpants. It's the dream team, frankly. It's all you need to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they Swedish. are an international band of thieves, essentially yeah. pretending to be terrorists. And it's fun because... A lot of them are speaking German, different languages, and we never get subtitles because we don't need them. We know what they're saying, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, maybe there's a the, a new type of Avenger-style action movie where you assemble a cast of, or the Fast movies, where you assemble a cast of, like, good guys with specialized skills. In this movie, it's very much Bruce on his own like literally not even in a scene with other characters for <laughs> much of the movies he occasionally he's talking to people on the radio um, but mostly he's talking to himself mm-hmm. which brings us to our first rule mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a special crossover episode for the yet to be <laughs> premiered or released movie shots club podcast is that what it's going to be called yeah working title Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, Meg and Jamie's podcast is, how would you describe that? Uh, it's where we drink and talk about movie rules. Perfect. Um, <laughs> movie drinking rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are the rules for Die Hard? Excellent question. Oh, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> I, I, have the, I have a post-it note here with the rules for Die Hard 2, but I'm going to quiz you on those later. Oh, oh. boy. Um, so the rules for Die Hard include number one anytime they say oh wait are we just talking about the first rule or all of the rules no let's let's just go through them all so we can reference them throughout so we'll end on the one that you want to talk about um the first rule is anytime someone says nakatomi or you see it written somewhere it happens throughout the movie and that's a good one um there's also bromance so anytime bruce willis is just bonding up a storm with someone yep Primarily Al Pal. Yeah, Al Pal. Argyle Pal. <laughs> Argyle Pal. Yeah, Argyle Pal. <laughs> All of them. Um, anytime there is feet stuff. This one, let's 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 pause on this one for a minute because I think this we argue a lot. End of sentence. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, about movie roles mm-hmm. and movies and etc. I think that my favorite type of movie rule is when it's oddly specific. Um, I'm not saying you disagree. I just like it. Sometimes if it doesn't happen enough times throughout the movie, you'll, you'll, you'll kind of dismiss, dismiss my ideas because they don't happen enough. But the weirder, in my opinion, the weirder, the better that you can't say this rule apply. We do have universal rules that can apply um, to all movies, drinking, boobs, stuff like that. But in shout outs to the movie, Drinking Boobs. Yeah, <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's ultimate. That's the KYD. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the um, body shot fountain. Um, so explain what the foot rule is inspired by and, and just, just kind of, like, there's a foot monologue. 
to start the movie. Yeah, the movie basically opens on some rando man on a plane trying to comfort Bruce Willis because he looks very stressed. And the guy is like, hey, guy, you know what'll chill you out? What'll calm your nerves? Take off your shoes and just really get your toes in the carpet or whatever. He's like, dig your toes in. Ball it into a fist. Yeah. And he's like, squeeze them in. Um, We're all sockless and doing that right now. Yep. I'm very, that's why I'm so calm. Yep. Like Zen right over here. Um, So throughout the movie he ends up taking that man's advice and is excited by the fact that it works and he is uh so when the action starts happening in the movie bruce willis is shoeless he has no shoes on for the entire movie essentially so there's a lot of like weird he tries on some random shoes there are a lot of weird feet shots foot shots and he his feet get bloodied by mm-hmm. glass he the, runs the bad guys take glass. advantage yeah. of him being shoeless at he has one to point. wash his bloody feet like there's just a lot of foot action yep. in it it's like yeah. a tarantino movie <laughs> well, exactly <laughs> yeah well and that brings me to my next question like because it is so seemingly random and specific do you think there might be research that's done in interviews out there with the director or the writer or Bruce or somebody like the guy that was on the plane improvising that monologue. <laughs> like what, you know, like it's baked into the story and the script it is. pretty fundamentally. Like, yeah. Do you so think it had to be a from? part of it for sure. Well, like, I bet the director or the writer went to therapy and his therapist yeah. was like, Hey, you're very anxious here's one of here's a coping technique and he's like wow this works i'm gonna write right. this is probably what the whole story like this was the first kernel he's like i want to write a story about a guy who's stressed out and takes off his shoes <laughs> yeah. and then Die Hard was born yeah i mean it, that's a great theory because again it it seems so personal to be just kind of like something you th- randomly throw into a story and it's it's a perfect rule because it is consistent all throughout the movie. It's probably what if we were ranking the rules in terms of most drinks, it's between feet and Nakatomi. Yeah, yeah perhaps. Nakatomi. Yeah. Yeah. So was that all of them? Did we? No. Finish the list. Um, this one is the controversial one for you. Oh. oh. Oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> I don't know what that, that sounds like. Ho, ho. Ho, ho. Um, one, the, one of the rules is whenever Holly Gennaro, the best character in the movie, no is doubt. just being a badass bitch. She's a boss. She's so cool. Great perm. Yep. She looks amazing. Fashion icon. Uh, whenever she's just being a very cool person and, like, is taking charge. That's a boss a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, well, why don't you explain, like you succinctly did did last night, what my take is oh, on Holly. Drew, Drew hates women. Yeah. That's my take. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and has full editing control over the content of this yeah. episode. Well, and I'm going gonna, gonna to keep just, saying it over and over, <laughs> and then how are you going to edit around that? You know what I hate? When women are, <laughs> side, women. are sidelined, yep. and when they're so boss yep. that they don't get much to do in the movie, You're unfortunately. Um, no, she's not given much, but every, she's also not a damsel in distress at all. No, like and she doesn't need much. It's, that's partly what makes her so boss. Yeah. You just, she'd feel it. She knows that her estranged husband is out there causing, causing havoc for yep. these bad guys, but she's nev- not ever like, 
oh save me john mcclain she's like hey hans gruber you little piece of shit how about (laughs) you let us go to the bathroom how about you get a couch so that this pregnant lady doesn't die like she is just she thinks on her feet she's high up in the the office she's a director yeah she's fancy (laughs) and she goes by her maiden name in the movie which is also like a plot point uh because why not she's just very cool it is and i love her it is really important that um the movie is well written in the sense that it doesn't it like doles out the plot information pretty eloquently and without just being ham-fisted exposition it you learn that they are separated uh, by some amount of distance but he is saying like i think even argyle asks him um uh, you looking to party you want to pick up some ladies or are you married and he's like i'm married and then he gets to the office and when he's going through the sophisticated um graphic interface on nakatomi's front desk computer since the guy won't help him Uh the guy is like yeah you know use the computer find the name there that'll guide you to where you need to go and then after he finds her he's the guard is like oh yeah she's on the floor the only floor that there are people why didn't he just say that to begin with literally no one else no one else in this 100 story building christmas eve party yeah there's one thing happening and he's like, oh, no, she's probably not there. I'm not going to tell him until after I find out that she's definitely there. Yeah. It's- but but the, the key point of plot that we learn yes. is that he searches by his name, by their um, married name. She has, in her um, high-powered career path, switched to Gennaro. And we don't really know. I mean, very, we learn very little throughout the movie about, like, their actual – the the – terms of their separation like basically she got a good job offer she didn't refuse it for him because he's been prioritizing his police work mm-hmm. over their marriage is what we more or less she more or less says mm-hmm. like without even any of it having to be like directly stated so she didn't compromise for him um which is which is boss and Correct. we just we everything we learn about her boss bitchness is subtle like i mean it's 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 doled out in small bits throughout the movie Mm -hmm. and we don't see her for long periods of time because it is bruce's movie yeah ultimately technically yes yeah Yeah. well i mean i guess no one's y'all aren't disputing that i mean he's the star uh hero of the movie he's kind of an unlikely hero he's a kind of like a mid-level uh, patrolling officer or something. What do we know about his police a, career? He's a New York cop. <laughs> yeah, he's not like a sergeant or a detective. No. Like he's just a a normally ranked cop, right? Yeah, and that's the best part of the movie. The best part of what this is, right, is that he is just a normal cop thrown into this crazy situation, and he doesn't act like a superhero. He doesn't act. Like, he doesn't like act like he knows what he's doing he is panicking for 90 percent of the movie and it's just very fun to watch and it feels like real that way he gets beat up he gets bloody he hurts like it's yeah. just it's cool because eventually it evolves into like a generic i'm an action robot man 
down the how many are there like six anyway it evolves into that eventually but it starts out much like fast and the furious starts out with them stealing dvd players <laughs> sure right and involves into physical media is back yeah. into them like going into literal space <laughs> like uh it's just a really cool origin story for just a guy who was in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah in their stakes because i will one thing i'll quibble with a little bit is he's very like nice and and likable and approachable to the random like people that he's communicating with maybe because he's like under so much stress at that point he breaks down the facade that he has but like when he first interacts with holly i guess because the the name thing is so fresh in his mind he's pretty rude or pretty like jackass yeah, yeah yeah He's a dick to her. But it's also, yeah, because their relationship is troubled and he sort of blames her yeah. on a surface level, but ultimately knows that he is the crux of the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And without it being crucial to the movie, their their like relational arc, it is enough of like a humanizing aspect to give us like something additional to root for. Um, because we assume like she's i i mean i don't want to mischaracterize it but she's kind of like turned on by his heroics it seems like when she's learning I mean, how he's handling the situation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on. well i just don't, i don't want to overstate it because it's not like she's not like a, a a damsel like you're saying she's not like fawning over what he's doing but she's proud of yeah. how he's, and he's horny yes yes proud yes. and horny oh yeah exactly you're right those are in um those are always intertwined. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No. Um, he is like, I think um, Derek, again, who had other stuff to do. Um, Coward. Watched the, oh, yeah. <laughs> watched the movie separately and maybe didn't love it as much as us. Um, he, I think the most, uh, the strongest critique he had was just that he doesn't really like Bruce. Hmm. Maybe beyond this movie maybe his personality on interviews he didn't really like the character that we spend a lot of time with and he's yelling at the screen and i mean i'm i'm not i'm not in derek's camp here but i wonder if there's any merit to that criticism i mean if you don't like the character then you don't like the character. Like, I <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's crucial to the yeah. entertainment of the movie that you do like him. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's on him. Yeah. What about new grease on the tank top? Should that be a rule? <laughs> oh, we'll think about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there is one more rule. Oh, okay. Actually. So as we were watching this movie we've watched it a couple times and with the drinking rules we're always trying to fine-tune them right Mm -hmm. because you want to get the most bang out of your buck so this is one we decided to fine-tune last night which it started off as any time ode to joy place because that is a theme that runs throughout the movie um but we realized it just wasn't hitting not quite not quite hitting right. the way we wanted it to. It so, has a lot of walls. I think it's, yeah. it's comes hot and heavy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes on. it's hard to really notice because it's just like a cello doing the chords in the background. So it's just a lot happening where you can't, you don't necessarily drink when you want to be drinking. 
So he changed it to Ode to John, mm. which is essentially like we talked Another about. Another shout out mm. to your dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is panicking for most of this movie, and he's also by himself for a lot of the movie. So a lot of his dialogue is actually just monologues of him <laughs> yelling at himself for being bad at his job and doing what he's doing. Yeah. So he's just panicking a lot, yelling a lot at himself. And anytime he does that, Ode to John, we're calling it, you drink. He is, at times, it's sort of, there's some some great quotes and memes from this movie that have stood the test of time. It's also kind of quippy. I mean, occasionally he is saying it to the the bad guys or like, even if they can't actually hear him, it's like, um, a quip at the end of a kill. Yeah. Well, I don't he's know when from that... New York. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what everyone does in New York. Right. It's kind of like a movie trope. There's a lot of they do it a lot in horror movies, of course, uh, post Freddy. But I didn't. I'm not sure if he kind of popularized or you know exemplified that action hero movie trope of being witty in addition to doing the job. Like a little icing on the cake is to say something clever. A little cherry on top. Yeah. He also does a lot of um, navigating different levels of the tower. They they really do use, make the most of this one location. He's climbing um, through elevator shafts. He's using guns and axes to hang from. And he's falling a lot. <laughs> he falls, yeah. it's We do get a sense that the the location itself is a character um obviously it's a top rule <laughs> um but it's the name of your beloved pet bear yes so a couple of years ago meg for christmas got me <laughs> um in the movie bruce willis has a giant teddy bear to give to i guess just one of his kids he has two kids <laughs> but there's one giant teddy bear maybe it's for both of them big enough to share yeah uh and i was you know it's a cool bear so meg got me a giant giant bear and i named him nakatomi jabero yeah it's it's the bear in the movie has to fit in the overhead container overhead compartment of an airplane uh, yes yours would not no. fit no. it also fits in the back seat of the limo where argyle is like hanging out partying with the bear um this one takes up two-thirds of a large couch (laughs) for frame of reference um maybe we should talk about the side characters there's uh that are that are on the good guy side argyle is the limo driver it's his first day on the job Mm -hmm. is that what we learned Mm -hmm. yep yeah and bruce i mean right off the bat we kind of real see him as an everyman type because he's never ridden in a limo before i think he says right mm-hmm. he and he, he sits and, in the front of yes. the limo when they're <laughs> driving yeah he doesn't want to talk or have our girl keeps asking him pretty uh invasive questions and that's another way we learn uh, subtly that there might be some trouble in his relationship because he won't, doesn't want to talk about it he also lights up a cigarette without asking, without rolling mm. down the window. Yeah. Just... Different time. Light them up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could probably still smoke on the plane at that point. Ew, Late 80s. Smoke on planes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely in the 60s, 70s, Mad Men era. Yeah. Ah, yes. Mad Men. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. What else? Um, 
what else makes you keep coming back to this movie over and over? I mean, Al Pal. Al Pal. Bromance. Our boy. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta love it. We love a good bromance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Carl Winslow from Family Matters. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that his name? Uh, yeah, actually. I, I mean, I think his name is Al something, and then he goes into witness protection and moves to Chicago and starts a new family, but... Sure. <laughs> neither here nor there. Uh, he is a cop at the end of his shift who gets called to check on something going on at Nakatomi Plaza because Bruce has called in just surrounded by uh, incompetence. People yes. are just really gaslighting him into thinking there's nothing happening, which is crazy. Anyway, he goes to check on Nakatomi Plaza. Bruce dumps a corpse onto his car from above and he panics. With a note, right? Doesn't have a note on it? Oh no! He's he dumps he, a, a body down the elevator shaft with a note on it. Yeah. Yes. Well, not the shaft, just the sure the elevator. The elevator. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it has to go down a shaft, doesn't? Well, it? there are two bodies <laughs> that go down the <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so Al is kind of the only person that believes that there's something going on and trusts that Bruce Willis isn't a bad guy or um is telling the truth. And so they develop a beautiful friendship mm-hmm. over uh, walkie-talkie. Yeah, let's address the elephant in the room. You? The late Roger Ebert. <laughs> he, his his uh, criticism of the movie that we were listening to was that he thought the police force was too incompetent. Maybe that lost realism and believability in the movie because they are portrayed just as like complete buffoons and i mean even al pal is i guess he gets some credit for listening to bruce but like he doesn't really do anything that help he doesn't do anything helpful well he's a little bit powerless because he is also surrounded by dummy dums (laughs) yeah the main like police chief that comes in before the double johnsons um (laughs) from the fbi so there's I'm Agent Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Agent Johnson. We're well, okay. we'll get to the Bob's episode, don't we? <laughs> um, we uh, there's three levels of uh, authority that show up. First is just like the ground patrol. That's that's Al Pal. He shows up and can't do any. Well, he shows up and he goes to the door. He goes inside. The 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 guy who is um, pretending to be the the front desk person puts on a very convincing American accent. He's got the, he's got the Notre Dame football game on and um, just talking pigskin college football on Christmas Eve. Is that a thing? That's not a thing. Uh, We didn't have any college. football. No, it might, it it might be, but there's not marquee games. I don't think because they take a little break before the bowl games. Because it's now the NFL is on Saturday. Yeah, but this is 88. So who knows? Could be different. I'd have to, that's fair. Have to research. Anyway, he is, faking everything but he does a convincing enough job to convince al another not so great sign of his police intuition that everything's okay right and so he leaves well he has no real reason to be sus he didn't receive the call originally he was just dispatched to be like hey check out a complaint yeah well he checks it out and then he (laughs) checks out of the building and then a corpse falls on his car and then he gets the message mm-hmm. and drives backs off a <laughs> backs off the side of a, of a ditch. Yep. I mean, a giant wall. He basically backs off of. So his car is vertical. He's not really. He's like, what's left of my body? Like when Bruce said, I, I don't know. I've got issues. 
with him. I do. (laughs) I do appreciate their dynamic. It's it's fun without Bruce having a way to talk to other characters in the movie. It would be his performance wouldn't be nearly as uh, entertaining. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, it is the true, like, romance of the movie in general, too, because, like, you're excited for Holly and Bruce to get back together, but they're both so, like, they're fine on their own, you know, like, Holly's cool. Ultimately, she doesn't really need Bruce, but whatever. (laughs) Um, But when Bruce and Al Pal lock eyes across a crowded parking lot. It's snowing bear bombs. It's snowing bear bombs. (laughs) It is uh, crowded. There's chaos surrounding them. Like lights are strobing. It's crazy. They lock eyes. They know that it's each other. Like there's no reason really that Bruce should know what Al Pal looks like. Of course Al Pal will know because he's coming out of the building. Anyway. Yeah. But there's no reason they should technically be able to know who they are but they do because their chemistry is so strong they feel it they feel it and it's a beautiful moment they just start laughing together yeah i mean well and then one of the the blonde terrorist comes storming out the Mm -hmm. one who had a brother and Mm -hmm. bruce willis killed his brother Mm -hmm. and he's like i want blood (laughs) and uh so he comes storming out of the building and um al pal pal pals him Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> um, another thing I did appreciate about the Al story is we learn that he has this tragic history. Yeah. He basically hasn't been able to move up in the ranks of police work, and it's part of the reason nobody takes him seriously is that he tragically shot a 13-year-old kid during some kind of, I don't know, routine stop early in his career. And he and, can't shoot a gun now. Like, he like, yeah, he's, has his own mini arc there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, like... Okay, so that's... It's not metaphorical. Well, it is metaphorical. He's allowed to carry a gun. He just, like, mentally can't use it. But yeah. he overcomes that to I save Bruce. So. Yeah. Yeah. Major breakthrough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the there was a one confusing thing. Hans, and we haven't talked enough about alan rickman we have not the, give me three hours this, okay i actually i'll give you one more um critique from derek that might ring more true is that he was rooting for the bad guys oh i mean that's wow. fair yeah. alan rickman is tops yeah and if you like rickman's perform or not, i mean if you just have more fun rooting for him over bruce that's understandable to some to some degree i mean he's a monster but he's got style he's got pizzazz He's got he flair. just wants money. Yeah, he Don't just wants all? money. At a certain yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, he's probably going to do something good with it. Um, he, early on in the movie, we know he's not fucking around because he shoots um, Takagi. Mm-hmm. Is that the, the head of the um, Nakatomi operation? Well, in that city for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Holly's boss um, does, uh, well, he, he won't give up any information, really. He holds true to his... Um, whether he's very he, noble but very dumb yeah well yeah. we don't even know if he he was lying or not he says he doesn't have the combination to the safe he probably does i guess we can assume that he's is being noble um it makes more sense that way he's when when um hans is going through 
the lineup of everyone at the party. There's probably like, <laughs> yeah, no, we're not going to talk about that. Aren't <laughs> we though? No. I feel like you just led directly no, into no, it. No. Hans is trying to identify who um, the head uh, honcho is at the party. And he knows this is how another great uh, writing example here is he's spouting off exposition about Takagi's uh biography because he read a profile in time magazine or forbes forbes, forbes. forbes excuse me the investment investing issue <laughs> and he's like you know so he knows he's japanese he knows he went to harvard business school he's like he knows he's a certain age he knows he has four sons and five story. children five children <laughs> who presumably are also japanese just saying um uh, but they are not the other five old men in the room <laughs> drew really? when we were watching okay, this we are yeah we're about talking it. about this <laughs> when we were watching the movie and we get to mr takagi and han says has five children yep Drew's like, is the movie trying to tell us that the other five Asians that were walking around who are the same age as Takagi. Or older. Or older. Way older, yeah. Because he's looking for an older Asian man. And Drew was like, are, is the movie trying to say that these these people are Takagi's kids? <laughs> these older men are his children? Just dumb. No. Also, I think there were only two other yeah. Asian men. So it still didn't add up. It I, just... <laughs> I might have misspoke. Oh, my God. I regret what I said. Um, but I do have a defense, of course. Uh, I think what the movie is trying to do in that moment, there is like a little bit of an aha with that Hans has when he identifies Takagi. And he, right when he's about to get to that last five kids point, Takagi actually um, offers himself up to protect everyone else so another example of his nobility but he then hans is like and you have five kids to show his paternal instinct kicked in in that moment so i think i kind of i definitely misread the (laughs) the epiphany but there was a little minor epiphany that like he gave himself up he's more likely to give himself up because he is the selflessness of a father of five. That's fair. But also there were two sure, older sure, sure, Asian sure, sure, men sure. and you were like, oh, are they, are they his kids? Moving Has on. To be. So, <laughs> also before that, Uh-oh. Holly is the one that holds him back. Yes. Yeah. Holly, because she's a boss bitch. Yeah, her instinct, yeah, her yeah. instinct is, hey, don't give them anything right now. We need to see what's going on. Let's and... just see how this shakes out. Exactly. And I think he did for as long as he could, and he yeah. knew that they were gonna. I mean, either land they would have just him started killing or... a bunch of white people until he gave himself up. Yeah. So like, well, and I suppose again, there were only three. Yeah. <laughs> to choose from, so. Yeah, it was pretty. It was going to be pretty clear. So Hans um, isolates him, takes him to his office, and shoots his brains out. Mm. They splatter mm. all over the, the glass. Yep. Yeah. Rest in peace. Uh, and then we know that the movie is not fucking around and Hans is not fucking around and there's going to be mass gunfire, glass shattering. There's some good shootouts in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, not a lot more. Do any other uh, good people die? Um, the FBI agents, eh. if you care about them. Yeah. Um, I think that's it, though. Yeah, right? that's so, kind of... I, I yeah. never thought about that. There's not really much... 
Bruce saves everyone. Yeah. Yeah. There is a point. One of the plot points of the movie towards the end is that Hans is back. Like his plan ultimately is to get all of the money. And then there's like a mystery of he's looking for Bruce specifically because Bruce has stolen a bag from one of the bad guys mm-hmm. full of detonators for detonators. Yeah. detonators. Can you please say it correctly? <laughs> I'm so sorry. There's like um, 18 syllables in the way yeah. he says it. <laughs> um, and plastic explosives everywhere. So Bruce is sort of trying to figure out what's going on. Like, why are there plastic explosives in this area on the roof? I've never seen one brick of C4 do so much damage, but <laughs> <laughs> well, when you stick a bunch of, Right. What are those that he Test sticks tubes. in there? Yeah, he jams like, it with like candles or something. Yeah. <laughs> just a pack just a of candles. Of casual candles. Well, they're, no, they're the ones that don't go out. Yeah, they're like yeah. the, 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 the real gag life. ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Hans's plan is to uh, send all of the hostages to the roof to be taken away by the FBI or whoever, but actually explode the roof mm-hmm. and. Um, make everyone think that he and his crew died up there as well. Okay, uh, you reminded me of the point I was making like 30 minutes ago <laughs> about what's confusing about the plot. Yeah. When all the different um, levels of authority show up, eventually getting to escalating to the FBI, doesn't he say we want, he's like, we want them to yeah, come? Because yeah. the FBI book of how you deal with hostage situations is you They'll cut get them the power. information. Well, you cut the power, uh-huh. and they needed that. That, they oh, needed that to open. I yeah. totally that was that. the last uh, lock on yeah. the vault, right? And then the emergency generator kicks mm-hmm. in. Okay. The vault opens, which seems uh, like a design flaw, yeah. frankly. Yeah. yeah, that they can't cut the power. Um, no, because it had to be done. I guess like from the city. Yeah, I guess they could have sent someone out to just do it themselves. It's Christmas Eve, yeah. you can't just sure be out. Cut the power. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so they need the FBI there to make the call to. Wow. Okay. I figured they explained it, but I I totally missed one that I miss in it. There's a another like slide in with their whole plan of don't they demand a release of some prisoners? Yes. Uh, that one they're always... trying to come up with because un- that's, yeah, that's a reasonable demand. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. just to get like the FBI or well, it happens after the FBI. They're like, oh, we're dealing with the FBI. We need to stall for some time, or maybe they do it when the cops are in charge. Yeah. But they do it essentially just to stall for time and also to make them seem like terrorists. So That's it's not right. about the money. It's about political. Hostage, terrorist, yeah. terrorist, hostage. Terrorist, hostage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Helsinki, Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's um, like, really? Do we want to say that guy? And he's like, no, I just read about it in yeah. Forbes. <laughs> um so that's it's all like a part of the master plan he doesn't give a what about those people it's just a way to be distracting and like as part of the exchange i'm going to give you the hostages if you give me a helicopter but Uh also release Release. these random people because he did need two and a half hours specifically for the that's Mm -hmm. a fair amount of time good good i'm glad you brought that up so if i think one thing we are touching on a little bit is um and i can't wait argue with this about with you about this <laughs> is um the movie runtime is two hours and 12 oh minutes. it's a long movie it could probably be tightened up in a few ways that would make some of these these like uh straggling plot threads a little easier to follow mm-hmm. i don't care when movies are long but you a lot of people will kind of like 
have a prejudice towards a movie going into it because of length. And then if it's a good movie, who cares? But did you notice the length? Is it an issue? I mean, honestly, it depends on the year. Sometimes it does feel like a very long movie, especially like the later we start, because people, I'm not going to say who specifically. How many photo shoots we do during the movie? Some, <laughs> some people fall asleep during it, you know? Oh. I don't know what you're talking about. Nakatomi does have magic fingers. And he's <laughs> massaging up a storm over there. Uh so, yeah, it just depends on when we start it and what's going on. The later it is, the longer it does feel like. And I'm like, okay, yes, pick up the pace. Um, but this year, I feel like it was the It could have been a little longer. Yeah, honestly. I know. Yeah. We're just enjoying <laughs> I, the world. Yeah, no complaints, actually. I guess we're not going to argue because <laughs> it's it sort of proves my point. Just that, you know, you don't mind long movies. They just need to justify their length avatar is three hours and 12 minutes yeah and uh boy does it use I'm all of them struggle with that. <laughs> yeah i feel like if a long movie avatar two. gives us what we want from it great but a lot of long movies are long because they're bloated and pretentious and that mm. annoys well me. meg loves eyes wide shut and it's a different very long movie <laughs> is it yeah, that, that one's long, and I didn't get around to watching it this year because I was a little scared off by the two-hour and 45-minute runtime. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I watched P2 instead. <laughs> yeah, I I think it I think it justifies it. Um, it justified it enough to where, and we don't have to move on fully from the, the movie yet, but we finished the movie or, or, you know, our dessert on top of Die Hard was on top. an episode... <laughs> Of Bob's Burgers, ah. mm-hmm. where Gene does a Die Hard musical, mm-hmm. Die Hard the musical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you like to say about that? <laughs> uh, it's a perfect episode. Yeah. It is Gene loves Die Hard. He's written a Die Hard musical. He gets into a musical battle with someone else who's performing a musical based on Working Girl. Right. And then ultimately, it ends in them combining their plays, and it's work hard or die trying girl which is an intentional mashup uh, or like an intentional intentionally chosen pairing because of the holly um well maybe not i don't know a ton about working girl but i assume the parallels between is dolly parton no oh it's melanie griffith (laughs) okay um the parallels (laughs) between melanie griffith's shoulder pads and holly Gennaro's. (laughs) i mean fair yeah i thought i mean i thought that that's what they were doing is kind of like that's probably part of it and they do reference that working girl is the sassy sister to die hard because it's about a uh plucky hero having to negotiate so maybe she's more of the bruce i i I don't know yeah Mm. she's uh, yeah maybe she's a little both Okay. She starts as a Bruce, but becomes a full Holly. Right. Is her name even Holly? In Working Girl? Yeah. I've never seen it. I have to admit. It's. I, I think we we deduced it was Jolly last <laughs> oh, night. Oh, right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Jolly Griffith. That's, that's Jolly, it. Nope. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should Die Hard be a musical? Yes. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Well, have they not done like a Broadway Die Hard musical at this point? No. Or an off-Broadway, a <laughs> independent Bob's a musical Burgers. version that's happened in our living room yeah. every uh, summer. Every We're just workshopping <laughs> it, tinkering, making sure it's worth putting out there. 
Um, no, I don't think so. And also, yes, it should be 100% take all my money, which is like $5, but still. <laughs> it's a start. We were going to watch all the Die Hard movies this Ooh. year. So far, we've watched one. <laughs> um, we watched the second one, though, for the podcast. And um, that one's also set on Christmas or Christmas Eve. It's set in an airport instead of a skyscraper. So he's like very it's a very similar kind of like setup crazy that he keeps getting himself involved <laughs> in these yeah, scenarios like, i can't believe this is <laughs> <Yeah>. happening again <laughs> and i'm trying to remember we do we learn what's happened between him and holly in yeah they're the back time? together yeah so they're fully back together at this in the point. second one yes. so and where does it end in die hard one i mean they reunite and they're kiss. back together they're going home to celebrate christmas with their family yeah argyle's driving them home and Even, she specifically makes note to say hmm? she's holly mclean yeah right that's the big seals the deal because one of the growth factors of bruce willis's character in the movie is at the beginning he's mad that she's going by Gennaro, but then he gets mad at himself for being like a dummy ultimately in their full relationship <laughs> owed he's to john like, yes he owes he owed to john's himself <laughs> and is like why are you being a jackass right now like you get it together and so for a good chunk of the end of the movie he does identify her as Holly Gennaro. He doesn't add McLean. He's like, Holly Gennaro. That's her name. That's what she's going by. I'm respecting that. And then at the end, he's introducing his wife to his new partner, Al, Al Pal, <laughs> and course. is like, hey, Al, this is Holly Gennaro. And she's like, it's Holly McLean. <laughs> they've, they've, done it. they've worked it out by being on screen together for 45 seconds through yeah. the entire There's movie. also the bathroom scene where and maybe this is what you were saying meg where she's like no no you were saying that she changes the name but also early in the movie she confirms like you are going to stay with with Mm -hmm. us rather Mm -hmm. than stay at a hotel or something yeah Yeah. and yeah exactly she instigates it he's like we don't know what his presumption was but yeah she she kind of um uh sets the table there and she reaches out first in a reconciliation manner. She's like, I've missed you. Yeah. She yeah. breaks the ice first. And that's when he's like, you didn't miss my last name, though. Oh, yeah. God. So stupid. All it took was him saving her entire, yep. her entire company and, you know, protecting the world. So, yeah. I think, I think it's fair. the tank top that really it got is. her. Oh, the yeah. distress of the tank top. Although oh, he loses it by the time. He, yeah, yeah. By the time uh, oh, she man. sees him. The sweat work. Yeah. <laughs> it is glistening. There's two snowball tufts of of chest hair that are poking <laughs> out from under the wife beater with weird separation. <laughs> yeah. And then just the pools of, of grease and sweat that accumulate on his collarbone. <laughs> towards the end are um, really something (laughs) yeah but he is yeah he is kind of like a brawny um burly action hero he's not a um sylvester stallone arnold like bodybuilder type Mm -hmm. but he is like looks like he could throw someone around if he needed to Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) um (laughs) yeah and uh, what i was gonna ask about the the rest of the movies um we definitely get we definitely get more we get updates on their relationship in the second one um can't remember by the end of it i assume i mean similar plot holly is trapped on a plane she's trapped on a plane the whole time yeah like she's trapped with also we haven't even touched on the 
the horrible, horrible news anchor man. Oh, right. He is a main character in the second one, too. Yeah, because he's on the plane with her. Yeah. He's just like the um the the trope of the news person who's just out for their own career advancement, trying to break the next break the next story, even if you need to show up and threaten to um have <laughs> someone deported. Yeah. Um, you know, if they don't give you information, he's just like, I don't think it's a problem because they're trying to do it in a very efficient manner. But he's a complete like cartoonish, like. Yeah, evil and it's his news report that ends up like being starting the domino effect of hans gruber realizes that holly Gennaro is actually holly mclean Mm -hmm. and is the wife of bruce and so he takes her specifically hostage and it just sets everything off because of that we have made a grave oversight um Who's worse, the news anchor or Holly's coked out co-worker, oh, Alice? Alice. <laughs> Bobby. Am I right? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he's awful. He's bad. <laughs> My favorite character. No, <laughs> he is like something to look forward to every time you watch it, just because he's like comically um, a doofus. He does drugs in Holly's office, which is so it's disrespectful. A, it's a party. <laughs> he has his own office. Yeah. <laughs> Hers is nicer, which is is, is cool. Uh, yeah, well, in the, the plot purpose he serves, aside from just being, you know, a buffoon and, and kind of like hitting on Holly at one point and she just brushes it off. He's a sales guy. He's just playing kind of like very disingenuous um uh manipulations towards hans like trying to pretend like he's helping him out hans sees right through it but fucks with him anyway (laughs) and um ellis does ellis give up bruce kind of he i know he he tries he he does give him the information that his name is john mcclain he doesn't give up Holly. He says to make himself seem more important. He's like, I brought John McClane to the party. He's my friend. So he'll listen to me mm-hmm. and not cause you guys any more trouble. Yeah. So, yes, essentially. <laughs> we have a very anxious <laughs> additional guest that wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> Wendy is here. Yep. You heard it. <laughs> Big fan of the movie. She is a big fan of Jabero. Yeah. Nakatomi Jabero. <laughs> Jabero. I say it wrong every time. Yeah. <laughs> Wendy did some cuddling with <laughs> the bear last mm-hmm. night. It's very cute. Yeah. Um, well, let's do. Do we need to? We need to pause for her. Yeah. Sure. Just pause real quick. Sorry. That's a little work for you. That's fine. Yeah. You can press the right button. Check, check, check. We're back on. Check, check. Die hard. All right. We all peed, and now we're back. This podcast <laughs> together. <isn't>, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Wendy led the led the train, the pee train. I mean, there's a shower, a sink, and a toilet. So yeah. <laughs> you do the math. Don't even get me started on the sink. Yeah. There's just <laughs> pee doesn't flow. As freely as water, it turns out. Um, no. <laughs> okay, so um, I think we're in a pretty good place to to wrap up our main discussion of Die Hard and move into Die Hard rules. Yeah, couldn't have couldn't have said it better. 
Um, are we ready? We are. So we're going to do our favorite segment of the podcast now. A little something we call Rank the Blank. This week's Rank the Blank is sponsored by Sexy Folgers Coffee Time. Jamie, we need you over here to represent the um, iconic Folgers commercial that um, showcases the special bonds between a brother and a sister during the holidays. Um, Any thoughts on... Shout out to Ashley. We miss you. Yeah. (laughs) Sister. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. The much talked about... there's There's a whole oral history on this Folgers commercial that is a brother coming back from a tour in the Peace Corps or something. Yeah. <laughs> a tour in the Peace Corps. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's actually a very good read. Highly recommend. Yeah. You love this commercial, though. I do, because it's insane. It's a Folgers commercial. It's winter. It's holiday time. This man shows up on this porch. This woman greets him, and he's like, did I come to the wrong house? And she's like, sister, which is an insane <laughs> thing to say. Yes. <laughs> to introduce herself. She's like, I'm your sister, remember? But all she says is sister. Sister. Uh, and then they go in. They make coffee in the kitchen. He gives her a gift. And she very romantically like puts the bow on her gift boob. On to oh. him. Oh. And he's like, oh, well, what are you doing, you crazy scoundrel? And she's like, you're my present this year. And they just exchange the most charged glance between them. (laughs) And then their parents come down. And it's like, mom and dad always ruining the vibes. Party poopers. I don't know if they ruin it or not. They they, they fully endorse it. Yeah. It seems (laughs) like. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, thank you, Folgers, for sponsoring us. The best part of waking up is looking at who's next to you in bed. Might be your sister, might be your yeah. brother, who knows? Sister. Sister. <laughs> rank the Blank is where we pick a topic inspired by the week's movie and rank our personal favorites. This week's topic, obviously, <laughs> is not Christmas themed. It's not Bruce Willis themed. It's not action movie themed. It is tank top themed. Fashion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, what is the exact phrasing you wanted, Jamie? Uh, best use of a tank top in an action movie. Got it. Got it. Love it. Yeah, and tank tops are standard issue action hero attire, mm-hmm. and none greasier and grimier and completely changing <laughs> colors more than Bruce's and Die Hard. Has anyone? Have you done any research into the? You like to do IMDb trivia. Did I they say anything about this. it? Yeah. I feel like they've acknowledged think, yeah, that they, they switched the tank top. There obviously. are a bunch of tank tops, I think, so, for the the to go through the movie. Yeah. But they mix them up sometimes, I think, and as to when it should be cleaner versus dirtier. Hmm. So Yeah. Well there's a lot like, of Yeah. That's the those are the deleted scenes we should be able oh. to watch. The extended version is uh, Bruce Willis just changes his top over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's the the continuity of just how greasy it is at a given moment. And then there's the fact that it goes from white to like Hunter Green. Yeah. Yeah. At, at one point. But that's fine. Um, it's I don't know if we're going to 
hold that against it. So the first entry into Rank the Blank is Bruce Willis's iconic tank top, which you can tank purchase on eBay. <laughs> no, you, that would be a good gift. You could um, what would be? pair that with Nakatomi you guys next know that, year. Uh, my birthday is coming up. So yeah. <laughs> just as a heads up. <laughs> I love freshly, <laughs> freshly sweated, mm-hmm. yeah. greased up mm-hmm. tank. Perfect. What else do we got? What um, Which one of y'all wants to submit your nominee first? I'll go. Um, speaking of greasy tank tops, just kidding. He doesn't have a greasy tank top, but it's in a movie about cars. I submit Dwayne The Rock Johnson in essentially any movie he's in, but specifically we'll go with uh, his Hobbs character in the Fast and the Furious universe. We could have, is... I mean, we could have just ranked tanks from the fast universe probably frankly they all wear tank tops that's actually a running drink i think in Uh, oh it is you're right you're right tyrese's tank Mm -hmm. he's got one (laughs) paul walker (laughs) because he's in a literal tank (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that's what i was doing Uh, yeah look at me (laughs) it's a very flat sort of tank like thing and die hard too die hard also yeah Um, Mm -hmm. it just gets blown up with a rocket launcher which is fun and it's like being driven from Nebraska, yeah. it's so far ten away. miles away. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, it's coming!" Doop a doop a doop. Not there, there it is. is. Yep. Still in the distance. Yeah. Still coming. <laughs> All right, so we got Dwayne the Rock Bruce, Johnson because he's and we got the Rock. You love the Rock. I love the Rock. Yeah. So way to support your boy there, Meg. What do you got? I mean, obviously, I'm going to have to go with Nick Cage, Con Air. Yeah, yes. I mean. I mean <laughs> I guess we're all, we're all on the same yeah. page. Once again, you could probably rank. I bet he wears one in The Rock, probably. Maybe. I'm National sure he Treasure, does. he wears a bunch of dumb stuff. Abercrombie. He wears a, Where a does satch- he go? He wears you were a satchel. so mad about him. He goes to Urban Outfitters yeah. for a makeover scene. <laughs> <laughs> but he does, he does wear a satchel with a little piece of paper in it. <laughs> Of just trivial, little, trivial importance. Little, yeah, yeah, no one. What even is the paper? Who knows? Okay, well, that's a great one. I mean, yeah, it really is. If really we're gonna is. give credit for the whole ensemble, hair, mm-hmm. head to toe, um, he's right up there with some of the hair oh, models. And he wears one in Moonstruck too. Mm. Yeah. Oh, raised in Arizona. Oh, yeah. Oh, he I, loves a tank top. He does, yeah. okay. and he wears it well. Mm, he does. <laughs> and when I dressed up as him and raised in Arizona, I wore it equally well. I'm sure. <laughs> I got mine kind of greased up, and because he's like you know running from um, the criminals in that movie, and he gets all all dirty. And uh, anyway, hanging out in elevator shafts. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, because I can appreciate female characters wow and women in in general to reiterate (laughs) drew trying to recover from admitting that he hated women earlier i'm gonna go with uh sarah connor the character from terminator i mean that's great too um who plays her wow why am i blanking on that it's so funny because all I can ever think about when I think of Sarah Connor is the TV, that very short-lived Fox TV show, Sarah Connor Chron- Chronicles. Yeah. And that's Lena, what's her face? Headley? Hedy? Hedy? You know, from the Game of Thrones? Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah. She plays Sarah Connor. Yeah. So I just imagine her. Wenda Hamilton. Sorry oh, about duh. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that, I mean, maybe I just lost all my, my, yeah, my you, points you there. To, oh, he can't name any women, is what we've just learned. Uh, you know. Breaking news. <laughs> all women look the same to Drew. If they're in a tank top, they do. <laughs> yeah. So we've got um, 
three men and a baby. Woman. <laughs> <laughs> three men and a babe. Um, I honestly think, um, and I should say, in defense of my choice, Sarah Connor, like, um, famously got jacked and, like, went through a lot of uh, physical training for the second Terminator movie because she's, like, coming back from this apocalyptic war and she's like in the first one she's caught off guard by everything in the second one she's like a hardened um military force so she's she's very formidable and really jacked for the role but i mean bruce is gonna be tough to defeat in this i'm sure what um what do you think is his nearest his closest competitor I mean, Nick, for sure. Clearly. Even in terms of just, like, quantity. Slow-mo. Nick wears a lot of tanks in all of his movies, and he looks great. Like, are we... Oh, wait, we're going beyond... It can be... I mean, the way you phrased it is it's a tank No, 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 I know, I know, but it's hard to unlink the fact that Nick Cage pulls off a tank top in every movie he's in. It's hard to unlink that from Con Air. Ian doesn't have that snowman tough... Yeah, just a regular chest hair it's a full <laughs> full, full spread yeah. field of dreams yeah well we might spiral out of control if we talk about nick cage too long with with meg <laughs> please fair. join That's us fair. for a movie shots club or we are not censored when it comes <laughs> to appreciating tank tops and chest hair <laughs> yeah well i know i can't grow any it's a sore <laughs> a sore subject i mean tuft is way too strong of a word for what i can develop um yeah, well, speaking of hair, um, Bruce still has it in Die Hard. I know we're talking about the tank, but uh, I do feel like Nick's locks and Con Air really complement the shirt. The tank, that is true. Yeah. The Rock has his signature um, cue ball head. And, and we've essentially seen Nick Cage as Con Air in real life. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. could be what inspired my yeah. choice. Y'all want to elaborate on that? Yeah. Well, shout out to Victoria, the sexiest Nick Cage. Oh, there ever was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So um, our friends dressed up as Nick Cage for the annual Nick Cage party (laughs) that Meg and Jamie host Mm -hmm. to so far. And um, can't wait for the next one this coming summer. We'll see. (laughs) Stay tuned. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, I, I... Let's 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 try to be analytical here, not just purely driven yep. by hormones. Um, mm-hmm. The Rock is the muscliest. Yes, The Rock is bottom of the list. I love him. Obviously, we all love him, but bottom of the list. Yeah. Okay. So The Rock's bottom of the list. Sarah Connor, second to last. Yeah. Third. Mostly because I in my. I'm going to be very vulnerable. Uh-oh. No. Um, I don't know if I've seen the Terminator Any? movies. <laughs> yeah. I think I can't I've seen, quite picture it either. Yeah. I've seen one of them, which I don't think she's in. Well, she's and in. And I saw the TV show, which is a different. Yeah, I, I don't know actor. how many, if she appears in all of the extended sequels, she's a main character in the first yeah. two. But um, beyond that. You're on your own. I will say, like, Terminator 1 is, like, 
kind of a horror slasher movie and Terminator 2 is much more of like an high action movie so yeah. no and you would T2 I know you would like the, everyone loves, the second right? one I mean I love I love them both almost equally I might like the first one even more but yeah so um Bruce versus Nick we have an epic showdown here hmm. oh it's tough it's a tough one it's a tough one <laughs> it really is because Nick also got jacked for his role as a you know like prison workouts are a common fantasy of us all going to prison getting <laughs> getting swole coming out having long hair um, but we do get to see him working out in Con Air so we know what's like under the under the, the tank i've reached my conclusion for okay. myself okay just looking at it from all angles the <laughs> category is best use of tank top in an action mm. movie ah, okay bruce willis uses the bejesus out of his tank top okay, to the okay. point where it is gone by the end of the movie ripperoni tank top like mm-hmm. fully sacrificed for the world so i'm gonna go with bruce <laughs> what is she doing Um, <laughs> this is pure chaos. Pure chaos. <laughs> um, yeah. So everyone's getting a little, a little hungry and a little antsy, but it turns out does Bruce lose any points for removing the tank? The climax Absolutely of the movie, not, no. never. Okay. So yeah, I mean, like one of the whole points of having a tank top on is they can take it off right and if i don't does nick cage ever take it his off (sighs) no he does not okay it is a downside for conair all right sound logic um the folgers corporation would (laughs) (laughs) love to see everyone's sister in a tank top or brother either way um get your really classic as as a big coffee drinker meg where do you put where do you rank Folgers up there with the other heavy oh, hitters? <laughs> tough, tough to say. Yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind, I mean, they're paying us tons of money for this. Top of the list. I mean, I've always got Folgers in my cup. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of the most um, memorable name names in the coffee and business. Yep. Pre-Starbucks. There was, Starbucks has no jingle. No. no. I mean, there was one show in town and it was... The Folgers Mountain Sourced Coffee. Mm-hmm. That's it for Rank the Blank this week. We typically conclude by looking at the response, the box office, the reaction to Die Hard. Does anyone here know um, what the general kind of reception and consensus was for this movie I in 1988? $3 billion. Sounds right. Sounds right. <laughs> yeah. uh, won every Oscar. Yep. During award season, just all of them. Sounds right. Whether it was nominated or not, Die Hard won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it is. Um, we can definitely talk about its overall legacy. It is an action movie that, like, a template that a lot of other movies have followed. I love kind of like the self-contained story, the sort of real-time uh, events unfolding. You know, like you feel it feels much more immediate. When you're not, um, sorry, 
a Fast and Furious movie with like 20 different locations <laughs> and, you know, impossible to follow plot threads like this, you know, exactly what's going on because you're kind of just along for the ride with Bruce the whole way. And you are in Fast and Furious, too. Yeah. That, I mean, there's not even enough writing <laughs> in those movies, I would I would I would argue. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Die Hard is probably your favorite action movie. Yeah. I mean, straight up action, probably. Tops for sure. Yeah. Not necessarily because of the action bits. It's just a really great movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and a great tradition um, to look forward to every year. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be doing this for the rest of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> every year. Same, every Christmas. same yep. podcast. Yep. I'm sure there'll be lots of fresh new things to talk mm-hmm. about. Um Thank you for joining on the final episode. Um, unlike Ashley and Derek of the Killer Christmas miniseries, uh, lots of bad killers were killed this Christmas mm. by Bruce. And we thank him for that. We thank Holly for being there, yeah. supporting her coworkers, being a boss. <laughs> and um, next week... We're going to be doing a episode between the years where we reveal what we are going to be watching for all of 2023. Is that what's coming up? Whoa. Jesus. Um, yeah. So we're going to be switching timelines again. We are going to be sticking in one year for the whole um, time this this upcoming season so i'm excited about that if you want to find out what year we're going to you can just ask me y'all can but (laughs) if the listeners want to find out they have to subscribe by searching new release on spotify or apple or any other podcast platform jamie but real quick like what what year are you guys going to (laughs) (laughs) well it's a secret i mean you want to spoil it you know i'm not going to spoil it okay well, do you want to give a hint? Uh, the fashion was peak. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> it was peak something. <laughs> for sure. Um, well, thanks for that sneak peek. And that's it for the episode. Thank you. Thank you for letting us talk Welcome. about one of our favorite holiday traditions. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. See ya.